0: In this episode, we'll take a deep dive into blockchain, look at Uber's redesign, and encourage you to bet on yourself and tackle that big problem.
1: Welcome to Colored by Design.
0: This discussion series looks at design issues through a uniquely
1: biased lens. Our hope is to empower a new breed of creative as they enter into, mature, and navigate through the business world. I'm Corwin, Senior Global Creative Director. And I'm Jesse, Senior Experience Designer. Let's get into it. Hey, man, good to see you. <laughs> but, good to see you. I, I, I just wanted to kind of get a feel for why you're interested in in um, blockchain, really? like how did you how did you come to blockchain and being so interested in it? I think one of the things was that
0: you know we had um, one of the one of the cats in the office, obviously, you know, last year heard about you know Bitcoin, its rise and all that kind of stuff and I think mm-hmm. that gets everybody quite interested. And then uh, you know, uh, one of the developers in our office, he had mentioned it to me. Yeah. And just said, hey, if you're interested, you should take a look at these particular projects if you're going to start following these things. Yeah. And here's why you should follow them. Not because of the cryptocurrency, get rich to the moon kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but you should follow it because these are some really viable projects that are out here that are helping to tackle some interesting problems and companies like IBM mm-hmm. are investing in these solutions, and some of these banks are trying to solve certain problems. and And so, you know, so I was like, I like the real world, practical application part. Yeah. I don't really, I mean, obviously, the idea of bringing able to have this large transfer of wealth, and 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 creating value and, and a and a currency almost out of Nothing, which is not really nothing. I mean, it's the same way that shares of companies have been distributed in equities and all that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. securities and such. It's the same thing that's always been happening. Yeah. It's just fascinating that it's actually in a digital com- currency or a digital token or a digital unit that yeah. you can then utilize and actually trade to other people, so, use for platform services or other kinds of
1: stuff. So you, you, I remember that. And this was, I, I remember when you start, started talking about it with us, when we were at a, out at the bar you know, with a few, getting a few drinks and you're talking about how we needed to be investing in this and that. Yep. That was when you first got interested, or, or that was around the time that you got interested in it. Right. And that was um, right around the time that Bitcoin was like on its, on on the rapid, up into the right trajectory. Yeah, I think when I first started kind of seeing
0: it and we talked about one of those projects that we were advised to take a look at. Yeah. Um, that might have been February mm-hmm. of 2018. Yeah. And uh, so Bitcoin was still high. So <laughs> on that particular investment, I definitely bought at the height. Um, but it was, uh, you know, again, I think it was fascinating, right? It was fascinating to see Okay, sure, you can buy and invest in these projects. But then once you start looking at these projects, like you're just saying, some investors are looking for the quick payday. Yeah. And other investors are actually looking for an investment in the technology that they can believe in that they think will actually have an impact in the world. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think any investor would admit that they're kind of a mix of both. I yeah. think people like to, like Warren Buffett, he's like, I actually like the products that, you know, I, I believe in these products that I'm investing in. Mm-hmm. They happen to be, and that's part of the reason why they make a lot of money because their products, I think are good products. I think, you know, have values So, uh, But yeah, it's a fascinating space. And what's really good about the space is that, uh, and I was just listening um, and, and, and reading an article that you
1: shared, Yeah. Um, what was the dude's name? Chris Dixon. Chris Dixon, he's right. He's a partner at um, Andrew's and Horowitz, huh? Horowitz, yeah. yeah. He's, he's like, uh, he was very heavily involved in a lot of their early crypto stuff. And, and now they have a crypto fund that he um, is advising. I guess he hired someone to kind of run that Right. But he's advising it. But yeah.
0: Well, what was interesting, he said the promise, he said what he liked about the promise of Bitcoin is that or and blockchain and the whole kind of space is that it kind of had some of the tenets of Internet 1.0. Internet 1.0 was supposed to be this decentralized environment where people could push content freely and publish and communicate without the boundaries and, and, you know, brick and mortar and, and all these not necessarily regulations, but you were free to publish and put what you needed out there, yeah. right? And he said, what has happened? He said, nobody imagined that, you know, you would put up a website and at some point it would start generating money and revenue. And then somebody would come along and say, hey, I want 30% of that website. Right,
1: talking about the app store. Yeah,
0: yeah. which was which was fascinating, mm-hmm. you know? And he said that's kind of like what he likes about the, the, you know, the blockchain space and,
1: and what's happening. P- uh, Web 3.0. Web 3.0, right. Web- 2.0 was ha- happened when the, with the launch of the smartphone is when he kind of put it.
0: Yeah, and I think if, you know, we break them down, Web 1.0 was really the infrastructure mm-hmm. of being able just to publish and push content at a very, you know, that's the Netscape 1.0 and SMS and email and, and, and you know, basic browser and, you know, no real, you know, the applications, the, the, the web wasn't really facilitating a lot of kind of application infrastructure like we see now. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2.0 was where we started doing transactions and it became more of an application. A good example is, Um, you went from a newspaper Mm -hmm. to online classified ads to Craigslist or eBay, where those classified ads could now transact, sell, auction, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that that was kind of 2.0. And now 3.0 is really, you know, another layer. And I don't think it's clearly been defined what 3.0 is really going to unlock and and, and allow, but I think Mm -hmm. it's going to get back to more of that decentralized um, promise. And this this idea of these trustless in, environments where I can code and program into these tokens or these platforms, um, you know, aspects that dictate what's going to happen if then and these other things. Mm-hmm. I don't have to, you know, this this idea of governance and kind of, you know, who's, who's, who's making this final decision. You can take that away if you build these, these contracts in such a
1: way that they dictate what's going to happen if you meet X criteria. Yeah, was it... Um moving from don't be, as it was referenced in the article, moving from don't be evil to can't be evil. Yeah. Where it's like programmed into the code itself to where you can't do certain things. I find it interesting, too, because he he talks about the the transition of these different web stages and how um, the launch of the smartphone is really what allowed these players to aggregate power. Obviously, Facebook was powered by its network effects and things like that. But once you introduce this hardware into the space, that, platforms owned because you have to moving bits and moving atoms is two different things like moving things in, in the digital space is much easier there's much less friction mm. because of the internet than producing physical devices right and as soon as you have a need for a physical device someone has to create that physical device and that's where all the power starts to get aggregated that I don't know interesting, that yeah I don't know that you have to have an app store to have an iPhone but it seems like it would be a natural conclusion even if there's you know a hardware a wallet that becomes really popular for represent a representation of all your digital currency that you have. Right. right. Someone's gonna have to create that and that you know, there's a possibility that it only accepts a certain type of currency, for example.
0: Totally. I've been doing a lot of research on SEC regulations and 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 what the laws are around just investments and and if you're an issuer, Mm -hmm. you know, and really this lady that I was that I was uh, you know was listening to she was doing like a, a webinar or whatever and she said you know if you're trying to get around regulation and you need to go move somewhere else and she yeah. said there's really nowhere you could move yeah because our world needs some regulation yep. you know we need speed limits um, we need um, <clears throat> you know I, I do believe you need some structures you need some 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 guardrails because we see what happens when when people don't have guardrails, they just go hog wild mm-hmm. in a bad way. Yeah. And I think you need, so so I think that, you know, having an app store, going back to your device example, what I like about what the app store and the Google Play store and these other marketplaces facilitate is that they did put some guardrails to say, hey, look, you need to have a certain level of integrity in what you're building. Yeah. You need to kind of have these security protocols in place and this identity aspects or these, you know, transactional elements you know done a certain way to yeah. ensure these you know people's data is safe and da 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 so you know I don't like the wild wild, wet, wild 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 west concept yeah um because that doesn't really produce anything it yeah. produces a bunch of um you know lone wolves and 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 renegades and all that. I do believe you need to have some regulation to kind of give us some good guardrails yeah um but then from there you know you know l- 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 let's have some room so people can actually innovate and that's what was interesting about uh chris Dixon's thing is that he said you know. A lot of that, a lot of those, when it came to, you know, like the Four Horsemen kind of controlling everything. Apple, uh, Amazon,
1: Facebook, and uh, Google. Right. The Four Horsemen.
0: It took away some of the creativity of the entrepreneurs. Yeah. And I love how you told that little story. It's like, I hear this every day. Developer X was living in some random state in the United States. Yeah. Outside of the Silicon Valley environments came to Silicon Valley because he had big dreams of coding and building these awesome things, started and took a job at, at, at one of the four horsemen. And then from there, you know, it's like, this isn't what I came here for. This wasn't my dream. This wasn't what I was doing, but on the side, on the weekends, I've been coding with Ethereum or I've been coding with with coding with all these other blockchain protocols and building stuff, and look how cool this is. I think I got something here. Yeah. So he's kind of excited about that again. And I too am excited about that. I think yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a, dude, we haven't, most people don't see this in their lifetime and actually be able to participate in it. Yeah. And here we are, because one thing that was fascinating, the last thing I'll say is, um, he said, you know, right now you can take uh, some of these protocols and with 15 lines of code, have something that you can start transacting and working with. Yeah, you can't even hardly do that with a with a website. Yeah, you know. So that's it's really opening up some very clever um, opportunities, and I hope to see. I look forward to seeing
1: people coming with this. You know, what's what's next? Yeah, I love that example that he used, where there was what he what he kind of termed the civil war in Bitcoin. Right. Where you have a, a technical debate uh, over the block size, uh, which is a, a number um, in code uh, that's related to like how large, uh, I don't want to get too deep in this cause I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, and <laughs> like actual technical terms. Right. But the idea is that there was kind of two, um, trains of thought, one where this technology was going to disrupt everything, disrupt the Federal Reserve, uh, the very like libertarian view, right, and right. the other view, which is like, hey, this is a really interesting new architecture on top of which I can build a lot of things that are empowered, that, that you can do that you couldn't do before. Right. And I find that to be super fascinating, and, and even going back to the previous point about really smart people who are, you know, we're drawn to the lure of Silicon Valley. I, I'm i I'm not speaking of this as an insider. I too am drawn by the, the kind of lure of Silicon Valley. But we're putting all these really smart people to work on really small-minded problems. Like, and this is not to say they're not important, they're just right. at a different scale. Like optimizing your ad uh, efficiency is not the same kind of problem as sending a person to Mars. Right. And, and it's interesting because, like, I, I do think that there is a place for all of us in this
0: world. And there are people like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg wrote that, that, that post about uh, security. For, yeah. security, and preparing for elections and all yeah. the things that they're doing. And, man, it was overwhelming, the, the, the scale yeah. and the fight that they have to oh, secure yeah. their network. It's massive. I mean, they have to work with governments, agencies. And he said it, you know, we're fighting against well funded actors, actors. State actors. State actors. State sponsored actors. State sponsored actors. They're fighting and, and, and regimes yeah. and, and, and 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 like militias and it's like, dude. And here these guys are developers. Yeah. You know, granted they have a team of other people, but I I I think that Facebook has handled all this security and data stuff poorly. hmm Um, just more the PR side of it. But this article, if you guys get a chance to see it, what was the, what was the title of it? Uh,
1: it was just a, a note Mark Zuckerberg posted on Facebook. It was on election security. On election security, right. I
0: recommend that, the, you know, some of you guys go take a
1: look at it and read it. And I have new sympathy for what oh, yeah. what Holmes is dealing with. Yeah, that's I, I'm, it's so funny that you kind of got the same thing out of that. But, you know, I think we have been in a space for the past since the Cambridge Analytica scandal where Facebook has been under fire. And for good reason. Um, but a lot of the vitriol that was directed at Facebook was like, they should have known better. They should have done better. In reality, there has never been a network that was operating at this scale. So So if it wasn't Facebook, it would have been someone else. For sure. These are fundamental human problems that we're now trying to solve with technology. And I was reading a a similar article on Vice that was about the content moderators at Facebook Mm. and the struggle that they have I mean, they're literally having to moderate content in every language around the world with different norms and standards within each society and culture, right. and then trying to create this decision tree, this very black and white decision tree, if this, then this, if this, then this, if this, then this. Yep. And that decision tree has to take into account all the various cultural norms and standards around the world. Yep. And these are people that are, they're building technology tools, but by and large, those those tools are assisting humans, not replacing humans. Right. So at the end of the day, these are still people having to make these decisions, and I mean, the, there are very smart people who are working very di- diligently on yep. a very difficult problem. Yep. And I think that for a lot of people, um, that can be overlooked. So I'm even saying, you know, that's a very important and, you know, serious issue that needs to be addressed. But it's also, I find that the promise of blockchain is that, at least in the kind of most aspirational views of it, mm-hmm. it, it, it could allow you to fundamentally rethink everything about the way that we interact with each other um, or the way that we interact with these systems. Yeah. And th- this concept of this trust computer uh, that can assign various actors value within that machine and within that system and, you know, this concept of like shared storage across different spaces, yep. all these possible applications that the people who are building the infrastructure now are going to enable new business models and new revenue streams that I mean and even outside of that just new ways to solve the same problem that we've, I mean, al- we're always trying to design to solve the same fundamental human need. Yep. Uh, the, the need for a human to get from point A to point B has been the same forever. Yep. The modality by which we do that has changed. Yep. So we go from a, uh, from a horse to a, a bike, to a car, whatever. Right.
0: Right. Well, and, and we'll get to it a little bit later, but I thought that there was a cool little animation on Uber's new, um, you know, brand mm-hmm. deal. They, they, you know, Uber just released an update to their brand from their twenty. 16 redesign yeah and they had a great little uh line in there that said you know how uber's evolved on from just even even i mean how long have they really been here 10 years now right you know and and really as the world is known in probably only five years really mm-hmm. tough you know they're you know the tipping point has only been since the last five years i would imagine but that being said they said oh you know we've evolved to consider all kinds of transportation from scooters to bikes to tuk-tuks to cars yeah. to you know and in the future you know self self-autopiloted uh, drones and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff you know so to your point right we're always solving the s- i mean dude listen all we are is humans on a planet mm-hmm. that's it and so the problems have been the same since the since the beginning of time yeah um, we we've created new things that we do but it is still and that's what i like about technology yeah um that i don't know if i appreciated before especially having grown kind of You know grown a lot while living in silicon valley and and living in the bay area is that you take for granted that everybody's creating all the time yeah and that's just the norm right everybody's got a new business idea everybody's got a new invention and stuff that you see is really kind of like wow um but really there are i think the most fascinating things are really solving the same problems better yeah you know like for example um i've owned um in my in my my adult life now i've had you know, three homes mm-hmm. and refinanced a couple of times this that and the other. so I've had to deal with banks and brokers and agents and and inspectors yeah. and all these real estate marketplace service providers and there's a ton of laws around everything that they have to do yeah and you know but and but you need these professionals, yeah you know what i mean i wouldn't know I wouldn't know the first place to start like we talked about, I could sell you my phone right now, you and I could sell our phones as long as we owned them outright mm-hmm. to each other, exchange cash, swap it out, blah, blah, blah and, and you're off and running, go down to the store and, and activate it. Yeah. But you know, the, the real estate transaction, there's so many layers that are so complex, but it's gonna be fascinating to see. And it's even fascinating to see all the different players that are starting to emerge, and how they're trying to figure out how can I leverage the blockchain technology to improve a component, yeah. a piece of this experience. And then that layers upon another and another and another and another. Because yeah. that's what is really cool about blockchain. It's kinda like open it's open source, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we could start taking certain code bases or or certain animation types and we can add it to our page. And you know, if you're building out a site or something, right? You can go grab a snippet of code from here, a snippet of code from there. And blockchain with this community, it's really in a lot of ways allowing for that same type of open source building. So You can surprisingly spin up a platform with a wallet and, you know, publish to the blockchain and even platforms like Ethereum do have their test environments Mm -hmm. where they'll give you kind of quote unquote free Ether so that you can, you know, test these kind of concepts so that you can push to the block and see how it works and understand it, you know, and all that inside of a very, very short amount of time and it's really amazing to see the community and what they're. But again, I love it because they're trying to solve just little bits and pieces, as opposed to saying, "I'm going to be the, you know, the Barnes and Nobles online." Yeah. Or I'm going to be the, the 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 Las Vegas online. Yeah. No, they're trying to just solve the, you know, the coin slot insertion problem.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so it's really kind of it's really kind of kind of fascinating.
1: I, 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 I liked your kind of example, that it made me think of. How much of design and technology is really about re-simplifying things? All of it. Um, Because if you think before we created all these complex systems of measure and and stores of value um, and different mechanisms by which you can do something like buy a home, if you strip all that away, um, you'd go all the way back to the barter system. Right, and like how much it doesn't get much simpler than hey, I have two sheep and I need like (laughs) ten bales of hay. Let's just trade right now. There's no governing body that's over top of that, right? Right. It's between two people. Right. Obviously, then from there you have all these complex systems that arise, and you need to be able to protect your value. And it's really hard to cart all this gold around or all these oxen around, right? Whatever you get, you get the point. Yep. And so we created all these great systems, and now it's like okay, like how do we how can we abstract that away? And we just keep trying to iterate on abstracting it and abstracting it, make it easier and easier. Now you don't have to have gold. You can just have this dollar. Uh, now you don't have a dollar. Now it's just on your phone. Like, you know, and, and can try to figure out how to continue that simplification through the car buying process, uh, through the real estate transacting process. And, you know, if you can get to a point where you've built all these really complex rules and governance into the machine itself, to where it has knowledge, yet there's a shared digital ledger uh, that everyone can access and no one can change. Um, and you can start to do all these really interesting things and we're just at the infrastructure stage now of building these. We haven't, you know, there's no necessarily killer app yet. We have, you know, we have the the cryptocurrencies which is right now what most people are familiar with but then there's like the non-fungible digital or virtual goods like the CryptoKitties and, and you start to see like w- the promise of this is left to you and me yep. and to the people to understand, to, to innovate, just to play, just to create. Yep. There's no rules. Nope. Uh, and so the scale and type of problem that you can solve, I've just, you know, as I've done more and more work and in looking into this space, just been really inspired by, you're only really limited by what you can imagine is possible. What's really cool is that it's, it's a, um, you know, you're the
0: creativity again, not everybody is creative. And that's why I think, you know, our, our little mission statement, you know, kind of helping a new breed of designer mm-hmm. and, and that's what it is anymore. I mean, it, you know, I, when I got into this business, it was about, oh my gosh, I got to say something. That's just gonna sound rude. <laughs> Go for it. I heard John Maeda say something the other day, Oh, taking a shot at the big wigs. Oh dude. I was like, he's like, oh, design is not about the aesthetics. Mm -hmm. Design is not about the beauty. That's not what design about is all. That's not what design is at all about. I mean, it was a LinkedIn course Mm -hmm. that he was teaching on something. And I'm like, yo, bro, you know what? Yeah, you got some cachet and you kind of got a big seat at the table and you're running shit. That's Mm -hmm. great. But it's like, yo, design is all about the aesthetics. Yeah. And it is all about the presentation. And it is all about making sure that people have a positive experience. Otherwise, we don't need it at all. Yeah. So again, I just take a little issue with the way he was kind of minimizing design. Design, man. I mean, this definition. I said it before. I've had to broaden my definition of it, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> I'm not going to sit here and let anybody come along and start to minimize the definition of it already. It's like, yo, we just started expanding the definition of what this 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 industry word tool process is. Yeah. And I was kind of surprised to hear him. Kind of, I'm probably I'm probably punching punching tough at my man, but. Mm-hmm. It's like, yo, it is about that and so much more.
2: Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? But, but it, going back to, you know, is design and technology about simplification? It absolutely is. Think yeah. about this. Back in the olden days, I mean, I'm talking like pre-Bible times, pre-Gutenberg, but in, 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 in countries uh, far and wide, you know, there, there, there used to be a passing on of the, 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 the folklore mm-hmm. or the, the, the knowledge of the time. And you had to sit at the feet of the masters or that elder in that community until, you know, until you got it all, you know, recorded to memory. Yeah. And then that person could go ahead and, and pass away and go on, you know, and, and, and whatever, you know. But, but you had to carry the the the, the letter accuracy, almost like in uh, the Book of Eli, mm-hmm. right, with Denzel, when he kind of had to carry the Bible, you know, out to, to the West, right? Yeah. He had to re- he he committed that whole thing to memory. Mm-hmm. That's the way it used to be. Yeah. Before we had scrolls, and then before we had printed press, and you know before the first book to print, that's how knowledge was passed on. Yeah. So throughout history, whether it was a chisel and stone, or whether it is paint and caves, or whether it is parchment and 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 ink, or you know type type galleys and 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 books right i mean technology has always helped to simplify the burden of 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 what people had to concern themselves with yeah so design and technology they totally in my opinion that's their main job mm-hmm. so for example if i'm trying to advertise that we have this amazing seminar that's going to happen in San Francisco California that's going to bring together all the brightest minds in the blah, blah, blah space to help you understand how to blankety blank and do this, that, and the other over the course of three to four days. And here are all the sponsors that help us fund this thing. And here are the places you can stay and the travel arrangements and all that. Mm-hmm. Sure. I could ramble that out to you as I just did and hope you retain it. Yeah. Or I could use design and some technology, whether it's a print vehicle or it's a social vehicle, or it's a SMS vehicle, or it's an email vehicle, or it's a video vehicle, or a skywritten vehicle. Mm-hmm. I can do all. I can use all these different technology to, technological advances to help you remember what I need you to know as to how to get to my thing, and I don't have to burden myself with telling it to you fifty bazillion times. Yeah, simplifying the communication. Absolutely. So yeah, I like what you said. Design technology is always about simplifying. Um, you know, that, that message or that process. Um, and even if you think about a lot of the value that organizations bring today, consultants and, and accountants and attorneys and, and, and all these people, you know, what are they doing? They're taking, they're taking effort. Their job is to help make other people's tasks lighter, lighten mm-hmm. other people's loads and bring expertise into the fore. You know, if you're doing conversion metrics or if you're doing conversion analysis and, and trying to optimize performance of websites or, 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 you know, commerce solutions for people, what are you doing? You're looking at what they've already done yeah. and you're advising them on how they can improve percentage differences yeah. that can drive tremendous revenue and value. So, it's, you know, a little bit behind the curtains for a lot of you guys that are not in the industry as tough as we are, if you have a form on your website that is 20 fields long
2: mm-hmm.
0: and you have a conversion of say 10 yeah. percent. so if 100 people come to your page and only 10 percent of the people fill out that form i'm sure there's a consultant out there that's happy to come and tell you that they'll charge you an absorbent amount of money to increase your conversion by x points and i guarantee you one of the things that they're going to do is walk over there and analyze that form and say can we get away with less form yeah. fields they could drop it down to 18 they can drop it down to 15 they can drop it down to 10. Or they can drop it down to five, and you will see an increase. But you will have paid a tremendous amount of money for it because they're coming to help use design and technology to simplify the burden of that user um, and getting to your offering. So again, it's like, and again, wow! I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. There was nothing aesthetically pleasing about that solution whatsoever. Yeah. You know, but it's a design process way of doing methodology that gets you to those answers. So design technology is huge in this in this business. Yeah. In different ways than it has been historically.
1: Yeah, man, I don't know. I, maybe it's because I was watching the SpaceX thing yesterday, where they're talking about the guy who bought the trip um, to go around the moon. Right. um But I'm just so inspired to to zoom out on these issues that we're kind of trying to address in our day to day work life, and and take some big shots at solving, you know. Fundamental human problems. Yep. I, 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 you know, optimization of forms is important <laughs> because it's it's generally in service to something that's larger. But we get so tied up in the minutia of the day to day that we forget what. Not every not every company has a grand problem they're trying to solve, uh, and they don't have to have one necessarily. Like you know, not everything has to be a moonshot. You know, we have to keep the day-to-day things moving. Right. But I, you know, I, I guess I f- I feel what what Elon is talking about when he says he wants tomorrow to be more exciting than today. Like yeah. I feel that. I want the world to be off of fossil fuels, and I want there to be a future for humanity on Mars. I I want to be able to solve problems that actually make a difference. And I think so many people get into this field because they want to do that very thing, and then they are confronted with the reality of needing to make money to pay the bills. True. Um, And that's not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong. You have to pay bills. You have to have money. Money is a great thing. Yep. But I just I'm just, you know, especially as I think more and more about this space um, and I learn about, you know, other design disciplines outside of, you know, the purely aesthetic ones like service design or business design and I start to think about how we can solve these process issues. Um, I'm just stoked to be able to scale scale back and and start to think like okay you know what are some real issues that we're having at a a high level that people you know find difficult to solve um you know what i don't like about where
0: we're i think too many people shy away from stuff um just because it's difficult yeah you know think about think about anything we're all guilty of it you know I didn't personally want to take statistics because I heard smart people tell me how hard it was. Right, and it's like, dang, I, I you know, how much, how, how, much have we missed out on because we think that it's too hard, it's too big, it's too this, it's too that. Yeah. And what's fascinating is that if you have an idea or if you have a passion, honestly, you need to quit punking out and you yeah. got to go for it. You know, I'm, I'm training for this. Uh, well, I'm, I wouldn't call it training. I'm preparing <laughs> myself. For a tough mudder, yeah. right obstacle run, mud run, uh, 5K with obstacles through the mud, it's gonna be great. And, yeah. you know. And what was cool is that we are you know our, our company has us going to like a group training session with this really good trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Mo. Um, but it is he's showing you techniques. So for example, a rope climb yeah. without knots on it. yeah the big, thick, fat rope, right? <laughs> I saw these women climbing this rope up to the ceiling and I'm like, these ladies are super women this is crazy I can't do it big guys small guys big women small women. I'm like what and I went over to that rope and I started trying to just muscle it out grab the rope pull myself up he he said hey man hold on let me see and I said but before actually when I when I tried it I said hold up dude there's got to be a technique yeah what's the technique he said oh here's the technique yeah and when he showed you the technique it made something that is literally impossible to do
2: Mm -hmm.
0: completely effortless yeah and it's like you wrap the rope around your foot a certain way, and you step on the, your foot with the rope in between it, and you kick it out like you're trying to kick somebody in the face almost. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how it suspends you there. Yeah. And then you just reach up, and then you pull yourself up another six inches, and then you wrap the rope around your legs, and you kick it out again, almost taking out the slack. Mm-hmm. And you kick it out again. You can almost literally just hang there yeah. with no effort. So it's almost like the friction and the physics of it all is just unbelievable. Yeah. So – all those hard problems can be solved. You just have to go ask for advice. Yeah. Ask for somebody to show you the technique. Yeah. There's nothing today that we cannot do. Um, there's nothing today we can't do. You know what I mean? You might not be the perfect person to do it. Yeah. But you'll find your perfect place and what you can contribute and how you can help solve, but you
1: got to go for it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting that we kind of got on this subject because um, I saw a tweet today from Sam Altman who's the president of Y Combinator. And he said, having the self-belief that you will be able to figure things out as you go along is critical to success at anything hard. Get started and trust yourself. No one has all the answers at the beginning. That's right. And man, I I guess it's a confluence of all these things happening, but it takes, I, I was just thinking about this, it takes so much energy to do anything. Us recording this podcast for nine weeks, I'm like, you know, sometimes I don't want to come up here and talk on Tuesday. Like, you know, maybe I might be doing something else. Right. Um, looking at the numbers, you might not love the numbers. Right. Looking at the effort that it takes to try and grow anything. There's a hundred million podcasts out there and all of them want a ton of people to listen to them and they want to feel successful and they want to feel valued. Um, and that just takes so much energy going to work takes so much energy, even if you're not doing anything, not to say that I'm not doing anything. I actually heard my boss, he told me that he listens to this podcast. Oh, here we um, go. So I was like, cool, I've been speaking like you were listening, so I'm, I'm fine with this, but also like, oh, I, I didn't think anyone was actually listening. Right, right, so right. So shout out to him. Nice. Um, but even, I mean, it takes so much energy to do anything. Why would you do anything that is not going to be fundamentally, something that you don't fundamentally believe in to your core? And I think so many people, you know we get we, we we get stuck in the rat race and we have to pay bills and we have to do this you have to eat and we got to eat we all got to eat yep but if you have the opportunity to take a big swing at something you're going to be spending the same amount of energy either way it's just going to feel way. how much how fulfilled are you at the end of the day when you go home like did you give it your all at your job or did you kind of waste away right and and then you come home and you feel just as tired, but you, f- you feel terrible because you didn't do anything. You weren't challenged. You weren't pushed. Right. Uh, or you didn't push yourself. Um, man, I, and so I'm just like, you know what? We well, got to take big swings at this. If I'm going to spend time doing this podcast with you and you're going to take time to do this podcast with me, let's go for it. Yep. Right? Like, why bother doing it if you don't give it everything, if you don't think it actually is going to matter? Yep. Why go do your job if you don't think it's going to matter? Like... I don't know. We, we only have so much time on the earth. So Bro. why waste it? Like I don't I, I and I feel like sometimes you can lose sight of that. Right. Because you you know, you wake up Monday, go to sleep, wake up Tuesday, go to sleep, wake up Wednesday, go to sleep. You get in this routine. Yep. And you can get stuck in this pit and you you, you can't get yourself out. And so it's important to be able to look around and see, like, oh man, people are taking big swings over here. People are trying to tackle healthcare. People are trying to tackle uh, ch- climate change. People are trying to tackle immigration. Identity. Immigration. Uh, how do you yeah. uh, securing identity across borders? Right. Uh, and there's technological implementations, of, uh, possible solutions that are out there and waiting for you to figure it out. Right. You specifically, you, uh, like the big problems that you see that you want solved, we always think, oh, someone will come around and solve that or some, some, uh, regulation's going to come fix it. And it's not like it's it not. never comes. Nope. Uh, and here, let
0: me, let me jump in on that. So number one, Michael Jackson already told us a long time ago, start with the man in the mirror <laughs> or the woman in the mirror, but regulation coming to do, you know, what's interesting about regulators, mm-hmm. uh, as I'm learning more and more about it, our governments want people to go figure it out. Yeah. They regulate things. And again, some of it, I'm sure, gets off 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 the rails. But they are doing it in the best interest of everybody. Yeah. They are saying, hold up, man. We got to regulate this in such a way that regular people don't get scammed out of their life savings, yeah. don't get taken advantage of, and you don't go ruin the climate or kill somebody in the process. Right. So we got to regulate this thing. But we want you to go push it. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm, like I said, researching the SEC and the Security Exchange Commission and stuff. And I'm understanding Again, Zuckerberg, right? Zuckerberg's taking some hits mm-hmm. and but he is him and his people are working hard on the minutiae to try to solve some of these big problems in their world. Yeah you know those problems that they're trying to solve in their world, those are mega world problems yeah. that they're having to sort through. you know so I, I, I like what you're saying and, and and you do have to go. now remember, number one, not everybody is a, is, 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 a, is a big hitter yeah So you got to know who you are. If you're a big hitter or you wanna make a difference in your world, you can make a difference without being a big hitter. Yeah, You can make a di- big difference and being a big hitter. I'm sitting here looking at uh, uh, the old uh, LinkedIn uh, Series B. Um, fundraising round like from 2004 mm-hmm. right when they were going for some money and and to your point they didn't have everything worked out back then yeah but when you if you go find uh linkedin you can find on a, a website called PictoChart, uh, startup pitch deck you what you can learn it's a really great great look at uh you know linkedin was started in 2002 and their vision that they had has manifested mm-hmm. they even you know they 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 have a lot of things sorted out and uh, it's fascinating to see the vision that they had and how this new network of professionals could actually benefit the community in such a way and when you read what they were onto in 2004 and you see how linkedin has completely changed the game today mm-hmm. they had this vision 14 years ago yeah well even longer right almost you know 2002 to now 16 years ago and man i tell you it is absolutely inspiring but they took a swing yeah you know, and it wasn't one person. You gotta team up, you gotta collaborate, you gotta have more people in the room other than just yourself, because you by yourself can have a great idea, but if that idea doesn't have the the, the the legal support it needs, if it doesn't have the financial support it needs, if it doesn't have the technology support it needs, sadly, it's just an idea. Yeah. You gotta have all those players, and I wanna encourage all of you guys, to go out and start building relationships and start finding people, whether it's on Upwork or freelancer.com or wherever you have to go to start finding folks and just just give them a piece of the project and invest in yourself. You know, if you have an idea and you wanna start seeing how you can make a, I don't know, a blockchain wallet work, I don't know, whatever you might be interested in a crypto wallet work, go out online, search and find a blockchain developer and, Pay them, budget 500 bucks, mm-hmm. budget 300 bucks and engage with them and see, hey, I'm trying to do something, I wanna learn about this. Can you engage with me on this small little project and what's your rate? Yeah. And, and, and start experimenting with these things, you know? Start going for it, get out there and, 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 and do your part. And again, if you're not a big hitter and you're going to this job and you feel like, wow, I wanna make a difference in this world, I wanna make a difference here at my job, you have to, again, learn the techniques. Mm-hmm. You can't go to work whining and complaining. There's a great video for all designers that has to be watched. It's called, uh, oh God, something about let's stop navel gazing. Mm-hmm. It's on, uh, I'll, I'll find it while we're sitting here and I'll make sure I say it before we're done. Yeah. But it, you know what I mean? You have to stop whining. You have to stop complaining. You have to figure out what tactics do I need to take in order to get this piece of information this message this viewpoint heard and understood Mm -hmm. and so you can't just say they won't listen to my idea you have to say why aren't they listening to my idea Mm -hmm. and you have to figure out what do I need to do to get my idea heard who do I need to talk to around here to get my idea heard and hopefully you run across some people that'll say oh in this environment first what you need to do is you need to do all the research on your concept then you need to answer all the questions that you know everybody could ask then you can go present your idea in a very synthesized manner that demonstrates the why, the problem that you're faced with, the solution, and why it's relevant and how it's going to benefit yourself, your organization, your people, your team, et cetera. Yeah. Go down that path of asking yourself about five or six whys and be critical. You know, I heard the guy that uh, – oh, it's one of the dudes – dang, I'm just drawing a blank – but you know, what's well, well, what happened when you try to educate yourself all day, every day, you, you hear a lot of great stuff from people and then yeah. you forget it. But there was a gentleman, he was at a, uh, a blockchain conference and he was on stage and he said, I put this presentation together in like last 15 minutes because I was asked to come up on stage because somebody canceled out or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he was basically saying, I'm a philosopher, mm-hmm. but I'm in this technology world. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm coming up with a new idea or a new business or whatever, I asked myself, he said, I literally will shut down for a couple of weeks, maybe even a couple months to go through and ask myself all the questions I can possibly ask about why this is a bad idea or why this is a good idea or where are the roadblocks? Because it's easy to come up with an idea. But he's like, you have to ask yourself all those hard questions. And then you have to have answers as best you can. You're not going to have all the bulletproof answers, Mm -hmm. but have as many answers as you can and then take it from there, right? So, you know, you can make a difference Mm -hmm. if you actually want to. And yeah. again, not everybody wants to, and that's cool. We're not talking to you guys, yeah, we're talking to those of you that want to make a difference and want to make a change yeah and
1: I, I i want to reiterate the the four horsemen as we referred to them earlier the the facebook, the Amazon, the Google who's the other one Facebook, Amazon, facebook, Amazon Google, and Apple was it Apple? yep, I don't think of them
0: yep scott scott uh Scott Galloway wrote the book the Four Horsemen,
1: okay, my man Scott um, Galloway shout out. But there, if you actually kind of do what I was talking about and zoom back on their their organizing principles and their mission, Facebook wants to build a global community. That's a really big mission. Um, you know, Amazon wants to be the everything store. That's a that's a big mission. Google wants to organize the world's information. I, I don't know. You know, th- these are very big scale problems. Huge. And um, I want to note that I don't think that it's unimportant to to increase the efficiency of ad. It, when you realize that it's in service of this being building a global community. Right. Uh, I think that these players are uniquely, were um, empowered by the technology, the infrastructure of Web 2.0. It's where you create these super aggregators and their incentives are aligned with incentives of advertisers and, and things like that to create these super networks. What I'm seeing, what I'm saying is that I believe that blockchain will allow a completely different class of problem to be solved um, in Web 3.0 and that the organizing principles of these new applications and technologies can be focused on more fundamental problems um, like solving identity and how do you identify a person across borders, and how do you associate rights with that person across borders? How do you reach people who currently don't have a bank, for instance, or don't have social security in the developing world? How can you assign to them an identity that uh, allows them to participate in the global economy when they don't have access to these fundamental infrastructure needs uh, that currently power those things? I think there's just such an, uh, I think that the, the, that space is ripe for young, not even young, you can be old, it doesn't matter your age, just you have to have a vision for these things and a, a way to approach solving them. And, you know, we're speaking, trying to speak, to a class of emerging creative that they don't have to be young. It's just new creative, different creative blood, different people who are focused on new classes of problems. I'm I'm very much focused in ambient experiences right now and the design of ambient experiences, and you know the, the the use of voice and interacting with technology, and how will that change the way that we expect to be able to interact with the world around us, and you know gestural based computing and and AR and and what is the intersection of all of these things and what are the requirements of an organization who wants to participate in this space right there's so many kind of problems that have not been solved for yet and use cases that haven't been discovered and it is going to require a lot of people with a lot of energy and perseverance to be able to participate in this space and shape the future and I think that in order to achieve the best possible version of that future we have to empower people who have not traditionally participated in these spaces to say hey you're we want you we want your vision we want your creativity to be applied to this and for for these new kind of uh, things to emerge right like I I think technology now is um, comprised of a, a, a specific type of individual. And I think in the future, as we move forward into these ambient experiences, into these experiences that are built on the, the blockchain uh, and, and the new applications that's going to enable, we need to have these, this class of empowered, creative, empowered entrepreneur who's going to try and tackle the big problem absolutely no absolutely and i think you know the one of the other things that we that you shared this week was
0: you know uber's redesign mm-hmm. kind of mentioned it earlier yeah um and real quick just so i don't forget the end of navel gazing the end of navel gazing paul adams ux london 2018 okay it's a great 35 minute video um it is he starts it off with if you if you feel offended by what i'm saying then you're <laughs> you're exactly who i'm talking to <laughs> And it's a great talk. It's a great, great talk. I have to check that out. Please do the end of navel gazing, Paul Adams, UX London. But um, you know, it, it kind of goes to like you know, Uber recently uh, redesigned again, as we mentioned. And this particular article that you shared was pretty much a, a really strong kind of um, kind of kind of a strong critique mm-hmm. of the of the the the, re-
1: the rebrand. The previous one before the new one or the new one.
0: Uh. You know, it was, it was, it he had some things that, that were, that were kind of a little strong about the current one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's just this, and again, it was just this, maybe it was this particular individual's t- style. Because even in the article, he mentioned something about, I know you guys were expecting a much more negative mm-hmm. critique from me, but blah, 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 right? But what was, what was sad, what was super sad is the amount of opinion that we just lean on when we're. Coming to the table about design, mm-hmm. and we're coming to the table about problem solving. Instead of really looking at is this an effective solution mm-hmm. to the problem, we talked we talked last uh, well a few weeks ago about um, you know um, growth hacking mm-hmm. and what is necessary for success. Yeah, and and you know it's like it, it it doesn't have to be the most aesthetically pleasing thing. Right. Even though I just kind of you know. you know box box john made about it but it's like i agree it doesn't have to only be about that Mm -hmm. but what i hope that this new breed of creative starts to transition into is that the aesthetic piece is a piece Mm -hmm. of of the solution right but it's it is not the end-all be-all and it's not the reason why the solution is going to be successful. Yeah. There are some amazing, if you go out on Dribble, if you go out on Behance, if you go out on Pinterest, I mean, there's some great designers doing some amazing, aesthetically pleasing design work. Yeah, Absolutely useless. Mm-hmm. I look to it to get some great inspiration on how to organize a ton of content Yeah, because unbeknownst to them, they are managing a lot of data and that's a lot of times what we're working with now is a lot of data, a lot of information, a lot of, you know, kind of uh, variety of, of content types and it, it's a challenge still. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, 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 hope that we stop with as much opinion.
2: Yeah,
0: I'm kind of getting tired of hearing everybody's opinion instead of understanding or critiquing the, the, the benefits of a thing. Mm-hmm. For example, in the Uber example, they were, they were really beefing pretty tough on the uh, the bit, the little bit that, you know, yeah, Uber from had. from the previous redesign. From the previous redesign, mm-hmm. right? But if you actually read, I don't know, this is my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I'll go ahead and throw an opinion at you, <laughs> right back at you. But it, while I wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of what they did when they went from the U Uber logo, mm-hmm. especially on my phone, I couldn't find the bit. Yeah. You know, it was kind of difficult. It didn't stand out as much as the other uh, app tiles. But when I read about why they did what they did, I had to appreciate the concept of what they're trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. In a digital world, we're moving people around. Mm-hmm. A bit is a you know binary data point that we're moving through digital space to create these experiences that we all interact with. People are a binary unit that we're moving from one destination to the other and trying mm-hmm. to draw a parallel conceptually between that with part of their branding system I thought was clever. Mm-hmm. Was it too clever? Maybe, but, um, I thought conceptually the idea was fine. I didn't have a problem with, it. I think the execution maybe could have been mm-hmm. done differently and primarily because the, uh, recognition of the name was missing. Yeah. And again, if you look across your, your, your smartphone, you could see all kinds of apps, icons, app icons that, 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 don't have the word or name in it at all. Yeah. And we've come to recognize it and know it and love it and, and, and move on. But, um, but, you know, I, I want us to really be careful with just so much opinion and just quick to take just such a negative view of something because you might not fully understand the why behind it all. Yeah, I you thought know? that was
1: really interesting. I was watching a, an article or an interview. Uh, Dara was at um, – Dara, the CEO of Uber. Uh, oh, you're ba- your boy Dara. Throwing that name around like I know the guy. Hey, you know. trust and believe <laughs> you know that guy. Um, but – you know, he, he was at uh, TechCrunch Disrupt and he was being interviewed. He was speaking a little bit to some of the challenges that Uber has faced um, and, and some of the new th- areas that they're moving into um, with this transportation as a service or, or, or mobility as a service space where they're moving into the scooters, moving into the bikes, moving into getting public transportation onto uh, the, the network and utilizing those network effects to really continue to grow. It's, it's, it's worth watching um and then they they launched that redesign um and if you look if you think about the redo- redesign in, in the context of the corporate environment that they were working within and what they're trying to accomplish with you know uh, a rebrand is often done when you when you transition from a phase of turmoil to you know you're trying to communicate stability and yep. and this is a different company and we're doing things differently so that that happens time and again uh, and then when you look at Uber in the context of its competitors. It looks like the premium service. It looks like you know, if you look at something like uh, I was using Ride Austin for a time when Uber was not in Austin. Um, or if you look, are at, they in Austin now? They're yeah, back. Yeah, I think they're back. Yeah. Um, or if you look at Lyft with its like pink and white coloring, um, com- compared to the, the the very clean black, white, and safety blue of Uber. Um, you know, they're trying to communicate that they've moved on. Maybe they're trying to communicate a little bit of a premium feel, right. They're trying to communicate that they're the, the upscale version. Um, and, I, and and they went back to the word mark, uh, as the app tile, which I thought was really interesting, but often, you know, we as design get, um, we focus on the craft of the design as opposed to, um, how the redesign and the brand fits within the corporate environment itself. Right. And the goal that it's trying to achieve on that end. And so I think that can be where some folks are, are kind of led astray. Um, and, and so, I, you know, again, uh, opinion here as well. I, I like the redesign. I think that it does what it's supposed to do. Um, I th- and what is it supposed to do? It's I, supposed to communicate. It's supposed to communicate that they've moved on from this era of you know all, all these transgressions that took place, and to a, a corporate uh, responsible partner um, with cities and governments, um, that it's something that's going to be stable and trusted. Yeah, no doubt.
0: And 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 one one problem that I think it's working to solve is that while we know what Uber is and we know what Lyft is, we know what those options are, and you know Uber still is a. It's still early days. Yep. You know, we're again. We we forget because we might be, uh, you might be a millennial. You might be living in a metropolitan area. You might be a designer. You might be a technologist. So, you know, th- we are those those four players are still not the mass of. You know, we're not the masses. We're still the minority. Right. Even right. if we collectively all come together, we're still the minority. Yeah. So Uber still has to communicate. Yeah. And putting their name out there, plain and simple. Is a great way to do that, you yeah. know. I was a big advocate of using our identity because we have a real nice symbol, and I was like, "Hey, we should just be using our symbol only at our company." Mm-hmm. And the you know Margaret, our creative director then at the time, she's like, "We don't have the brand, you know, authority to do that yet. Right? People don't know us. They don't know us first as a company like that. Right? And then they definitely don't know that symbol by itself without our name yet. We still got a. There's still too much." you know, work to do as far as building that kind of equity to be able to go out there and just show your symbol like a Nike or like an Apple or like a Twitter or a Facebook, you know? Um, So, you know, we have to be, we have to be careful of that. Um, But let me, let me quickly go to something else that I had shared about earlier. The gentleman that I was speaking of that, that another presentation I'd recommend you guys take a look at is, it's called how to create a successful participatory digital project. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, from Larry Sanger. He was one of the co-founders of Wikipedia, and now he's the chief information officer at Everipedia. And Everipedia is basically a blockchain version of Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. And so, but he was talking about when you're creating these participatory platforms, you have to keep the audiences engaged in such a way because if you're if you have a participatory platform like Wikipedia where you trust and depend on the community to provide you with your product, yeah. you have to remind yourself, remind them and build incentives and build mechanisms in that, that make them value helping you with your
1: vision. Yeah, that's one of the things that I, maybe the core thing that I'm really excited about is the fact that with this web 3.0 concept of being built on the blockchain, you can align incentives better than ever before. Oh yeah. So you as a consumer on Facebook don't want to see ads. Facebook, as Facebook, wants to show you ads, your incentives are misaligned. Yep. But in Web 3.0, if you're a member of a network, they can distribute tokens to you. And if you, in the case of Wikipedia, are a frequent contributor to Wikipedia and you're adding a lot of value to Wikipedia, Maybe you get more tokens, and those tokens increase in value as Wikipedia increases in value. So you get to participate, and you get to have your incentives aligned with the founders of of, of the company, and that is and the community and the community, right? More so importantly, yeah, uh, everyone can participate in this value uh, creation yep. and, and 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 growth yep. in a way that you know uh, it was not necessarily possible in. And still is not necessarily possible in Web 2.0.
0: Right. And that's what one, you know, going back to Chris Dixon talking about the the, the, the fight and the debate where he, you know, he's like, hey, our side lost. Yeah. Um, you know, there's two sides of that Bitcoin argument. The, the I don't know if the libertarian view is the right way to phrase that, but we'll mm-hmm. just go with that for now. But this community that's out there that's saying, hey, overthrow world governments, overthrow centralized banking, overthrow, yeah. you know, fiat currency and go with a you know, trustless, decentralized kind of currency that the world can be powered on so we stop getting screwed by the banks. Yeah. But some of those tenants and some of those uh, <clears throat> some of those foundational kind of ideals are still relevant to your very good point about an incentives model you know there's a, there's a platform out there called steam
2: mm-hmm.
0: um yep. steam it i think it is and 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 dan larimer is the guy who started a company called BitShares, steam it and now eos and uh he's the chief technology officer of a company called block one and block one again is not e- like ethereum the the founder of ethereum is part of a company called consensus mm-hmm. um, ethereum is the platform eos is the platform bitcoin is technically the platform um mm-hmm. But again, you know these 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 guys, you know, are, are building these platforms. Steemit is a a platform where you can write content, and if people find your content valuable, they upvote it, and the upvotes that are given to you are given in the form of a cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. So you can generate five, six hundred. I saw one dude that claimed he made fifteen thousand dollars off an article. Mm-hmm. Um, but the system, the blockchain, the the smart contracts, and the and the 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 ecosystem that they created is what's rewarding you not people not company not shares the system and then the ecosystem the speculators and the investors of the world they say wow i want to have a piece of that company so they go out on the exchanges and they buy shares of steam well you being a content contributor you've been getting reward for being producing great content so now you've got a bundle of steam in your hand Mm -hmm. that's worth five hundred dollars you go out to the exchanges and offer it up for sale. I come along and say, I want to buy into that company because I believe in that methodology. I believe yeah. in that, that vision. I buy those off you. You make $500, I get a piece of the company. Yeah. You know, or I get those tokens in my hand, right? So that ecosystem starts to, you know, put a little bit more demand on that token. And then as people, as the platform grows then, you know, hopefully the, the effect of that is that the, the increased demand for that token grows and, and you know, both parties win. Because while I just bought your tokens off you for $500, over two years, when it becomes really popular, imagine, I think in the article it said, imagine if Twitter and Facebook would have started with this token idea. Yeah. Imagine what that would be worth today.
1: And how the, the incentives of the people who use the platform and people who build the platform would be much more closely aligned. And how does that change the way that you make product decisions? How does that change the way you make marketing decisions? How does that change what type of advertisements you accept? I mean, it's one of the issues now with technology is that very few people get to participate in the creation of wealth and the growth of wealth in that stage. Yep. But in this new utopia right now, since no one's really created it yet, the idea is that you as a member of facebook could participate in the growth of facebook. Yep. And that is a fundamental difference and and it doesn't have to be one of these platforms that exists now. It could be something a completely new use case that we haven't thought of yet. It could be securing your identity and you participate in that system and that ecosystem and you, you verify identities for example and you get coins because you did that and and now you're you know there's this virtuous cycle that's been created. Yep. So there's, I, a, there's so much in it. I could, I mean, we keep, we keep going. We can keep going, uh, going, going on for yeah, days, but. I think it's that time. So, you know, I yeah. always appreciate our, our talks. Yeah, no, that was definitely, definitely a good one. So I'm uh, feeling energized.
0: I like Apple. that. I like that format. It was a good flow. We yeah. just
1: jumped right into it tonight and had a good time. So yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks yeah. for listening. To stay up to date with all things colored by design, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor.fm.
0: And if you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed sharing, (laughs) please leave us a comment and a positive rating on your platform of choice, and we'll see you
2: next time.